Signs of the Southland, Sunday, April 24th, 2022. Mr. Grant, I'm told by sources who've indicated that you tailgated the baseball game on Friday. Yeah, I uh, no Saturday, Saturday, uh, whatchamacallit. Time is afternoon. fake. Yeah. Um, but no, got that email from athletics, I guess, that was doing the, the wreck havoc tailgate or whatnot. And they basically said, if you want to bring all of your own stuff, you can come and sit under these trees on the first baseline. And it was nice. A um, couple of us just, you know, hung out, ate some food, then went to baseball. They lost, but we can get into that in a little bit. But it very pleasant. It's it's truly Atlanta's like, like, like. I don't think we're gonna get any cold after this. I need to knock on some wood, but no, it, it was a it was a beautiful day to be out in the city. It's a very warm weekend. Yeah, like it's my, unabashedly hot. My car said eighty seven on Friday, but that's also because I drive a black car with black leather seats. So have you like, considered not doing that? Yeah, see, I just am paying this one off. I don't need to buy a new car. That was, uh, I'm ready to not be, um, you know, paying that, paying that cash money. Yeah, money today, more expensive than money tomorrow. Well, mm-hmm. more valuable. Mm-hmm. Well, not necessarily more expensive. That didn't make any sense. We're going to move on. Men's Lacks. To start off our shot sheet, Menzelax is in action at the SELC tournament. They advance to the final. They are playing South Carolina right now. That is in the fourth quarter. The last time we saw an update, South Carolina is up by a goal, 14 to 13. There's still an entire quarter left to play. If that game finishes up by the time we are done here, we will get you an update on that. But what do you think of their performance so far in this tournament? I don't think anyone can complain. It seems uh, seems like they were one of those teams that really got hammered um, or, or unfortunate the year that the uh, pandemic hit. You know, you can talk about golf and, and baseball being in that boat as well, but um no, they were they were really playing great. Uh, I think this is a nice return to form for them. Clearly, uh, the the coaching staff and and the uh, whole organization is really moving towards um, you know really big goals. Uh, and this is part of that. Obviously, it would be great to win, but uh, w- with Tech being as good as they are, I think uh, I think the MCLA tournament has to be has to be on that goal sheet as well. So. As a novice, when it comes to lacrosse postseason, especially when it comes to the club scene, what is the process from here? Is it only conference champions that go to the MCLA tournament? Is it at-large bids, NCAA style? What can we expect uh, once this game goes final? You know, that is a wonderful question, and I could not tell you the answer. Oh, unprepared. Don't boo me. You, Ooh, this you, man. you could learn Ooh. this. <laughs> no, I, uh, I think it's a 16 seated tournament. So there's gotta be some at larges there. Uh, SELC is usually pretty strong, uh, pretty strong conference too. I just don't know, uh, enough to say absolutely. This is what's going to happen. And I don't like doing that, but, um, hopefully, uh, round rock, uh, sees, you know, uh, tech booking some flights here. Uh, but, uh, that's about two, ish weeks out so you know still got some time there as well yeah it looks like tournament weekend is may 9th if i'm mm-hmm. not 
mistaken. So let's take a look at the standings, at least in terms of the conference. Tech finished first in their con- first in their division, um, right ahead of South Carolina. So Tech finished at thirteen and two overall. South Carolina at twelve and mm-hmm. three. Tech at four and zero in the North Division. South Carolina at three and one in the South Division. Florida was four and zero. I think Tech lost to Florida actually. Uh, Florida State at three and one in division. Florida at thirteen and two overall. So, if I had to guess, I assume this means that Tech will either advance as an at large or advance by virtue of winning the conference, but not really an expert here. Yeah. I, uh, I would not call myself an expert either, but you know, we can take, we can take a solid guess. And I, I think, I think that's a solid guess. That is okay with me. Uh, the latest poll will be released on, what is that? Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday, uh, that's but a midweeker. Yeah. But in the last poll that we have available, that doesn't look like the right poll. That's odd. That says Division One, Georgia Tech, number seven, Virginia Tech, somehow number one. Ooh, interesting. So your top five, so to speak, is VT Concordia, Irvine, which never heard of them. Uh, BYU, Liberty, Florida, and that's your top five. Minnesota and Tech are six and seven, with Clemson at eight, South Carolina at nine, and California at. 10 so very competitive at the top it seems and also multifaceted you know a lot of a lot of different geographies covered there so uh like i said we will get you that result as soon as it goes final tech is still down one with half of the quarter left to go but we will move on right into the stick ball sports the other stick ball sports on to the softball diamond mr grant do you want to team me up for what happened this week or tell us what happened this week? Yeah. So tech played a lot, uh, a lot of games this week, five of them to be exact. Um, I played Troy, I believe all at home, except for Georgia state, by the way, uh, Troy was an eight to one win Georgia state, a three to nothing win. Uh, the Charlotte series was rather than a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, traditional series. It was a, Saturday doubleheader and then a Sunday rubber match. Uh, rubber match, I guess, wasn't really necessary. Dead rubber. Dead rubber uh, match. Won 3 2 and 10 uh, in the first game and then 8 2 in the second uh, before coming back for a 7 4 win today. Uh, Georgia Tech um, uh, came back from trailing in, in a lot of these competitions, but it, it really doesn't matter how much you trail by. You just got to, you know, just got to win, baby. Um, Thank speaking, you, Al Davis. Thank you. Speaking of winning, we'll we'll talk about baseball in in, in just a minute slash uh, trailing. Anyways, um, not to distract from the topic at hand, uh, softball. They've they've really just you know been been on fire. <laughs> what is this? A, a month and a half now, six straight weeks. I think uh, I think they've they've played some great competition. Has hand, handled their business and. You know, things things have really shook out, shook out well. Yeah, so here are some high-level stats on, on their winning so far this season. So this is the tail end of a nine-game win streak. So that's over the last three weeks, I believe. Maybe two, depending on how many games they play per week. But since losing to FSU to start 0-6 in conference, mm-hmm. 
Tech has only lost four games, all of them in conference. And that loss to FSU was March 13th. So a month and a, about a month and a half ago. So about your six weeks. Mm-hmm. Two to Notre Dame, one to Louisville, and one to Boston College. It, those are the, it is the 10 games that it has lost have only been in conference. It is yep. 11 and 10 in conference heading into its final series. Uh, final conference series of the season versus Clemson next weekend. This is still, if I remember correctly, the best season by win percentage in a, like a decade plus. Uh, this is what, uh, 35 out of 45 wins? That's 77% win percentage? That 30. might be one of the best seasons ever. Where are you getting 35 from? I thought they've won 36. And I thought they've lost 12. I don't... Math is hard. Let me Math check. is very hard. I'm also doing this off the cuff. Stuff. I, I think they're at an even 750 uh, in terms of I, – I think they've won 36 out of 48 games. God, this is great podcasting. Incredible, incredible podcasting. Yeah. Um, let me just follow this up with – yeah, it, I, I checked the site. It's 36 and 12. Um, following this up with the fact that it's been – like it's not like they're playing nobody teams either. Like the the yeah. Charlotte is is a serious contender for Conference USA. Uh, obviously, we have the normal uh, in state and regional foes: Troy, Georgia State, Kennesaw. You know the, those uh, those folks. But um, but no, the 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 ACC's been really strong. So so the fact that Tech, you know, went up to Notre Dame and you know not only salvaged a game but very nearly made it a sweep as as much as a one-two series can be it I, I think I think this team has shown a lot of poise and and I think it it says a lot that they go up to Clemson next week to play uh, a Clemson team that's currently sitting in seventh as good and well regarded uh, as they are because that's uh by no means um n- no means indicating that you know, maybe they're overrated. It, it's just saying that everyone in the conference can beat anyone pretty much on, on any given day. I mean, Virginia Tech swept Louisville this weekend, and all those were really close to going the other way. Clemson's at 10th in the RPI, but it's still lost in conference. Oh, gosh. Mm. Their conference hard. record is as is ours, basically, say, right now. They're, they're like 11 and 8 or, or something like that. Oh, wait, no, but that was before this weekend, so even – even more so, you got you got Pitt right in the mix, and you really can't you can't super com- super complain. Other than that, like it's it, it's it's everyone up and down the roster or up and down the uh, the lineup uh, is really pulling their weight uh, in a way that I don't think we've seen in the past. So definitely should be interesting, and I think that'll also make for a really good product uh, in two weeks at the conference tournament. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about that conference tournament. You mentioned Clemson at seven. Tech is sitting in sixth. We did sort of a review of the teams around us uh, in the in the standings last week. So let's get that updated for this week. At four is still Notre Dame. They are, I think, 23rd in the nation in the latest D1 softball poll. They hold the head-to-head tiebreaker over Tech. They still have Louisville left to play. Um I think that is the last weekend of the regular season. Number five is UVA. Tech didn't play UVA. They also have Louisville left to play. That is coming up this weekend, this coming weekend. 
Uh, Tech is six, like I said. Number seven is Clemson, like we said. Clemson and Tech will face off this coming weekend. And then Louisville is eight, and we've Tech holds the tiebreaker there. Uh, but we already talked about who Louisville has left to play, UVA and Notre Dame in consecutive weekends. So really interesting how that worked out, that all yeah. five of those teams that are all right neck and neck with each other are all, you know, fighting fighting each other just to just to get in the door and, and whatnot or well i guess jockeying for position more than anything yeah absolutely so let me pull up the softball standings one more time because i wanted to see where so just to go over the record specifically notre dame is 13 and 5 i think that is heading into this weekend i don't think this has been updated um I don't think this has been updated since the weekend. Uh, Virginia is 12 and nine. Um, Tech is 11 and 10. Clemson is 11 and 10. Louisville is eight and 10. So uh, at the end of this, every team will have played 24 conference games. Tech is probably going to need Louisville to get six games, six wins here in order to make it to the four seed. And they're also going to have to beat uh, beat Clemson. Hey, I would not complain uh, about about Louisville getting six wins and Tech getting three. I think that'd be a pretty great last two weekends of the year for for myself personally. But um, yeah, no, honestly, I, I really did think about making the trip up to Clemson next week for this uh, for this game. But we got uh, some personal stuff to attend to here in Atlanta, so uh, we're. Uh, we're going to stick to uh, to not going on the road for another softball series, but it uh, that was a nice stadium. I, I think uh, it, this is like what the first time Tex ever played there. Yep. So weird to think about. Yeah. Uh, more more big picture analysis here. Tech is now 23rd in D1 softball's RPI before today's game. D1 softball has also awarded Tech another win and loss in, versus the RPI top 25 that I cannot figure out my count says that there's still two and eight versus the top 25 uh, like we discussed before alas they are pulling some numbers from somewhere that i can't figure out uh charlotte like we said was 36th in rpi clemson is number 10 so not an easy road to a sweep this weekend and not an easy road for sure next weekend when they go on the road to clemson clemson's legit Clemson's legit, even though they're eleven and eight in conference. That's more of a statement on the ACC, like I said. Then I mean, this could be a. Uh, I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Clemson being at how good they are right now, and also ten in RPI. I don't know if that'll put them in position to host as an at large, but it I think might, it would. right? I think I think it could, and and not that I think it solely comes down to this, but you know, obviously they're a little bit outside of maybe hosting a super regional, but in terms of rewarding a fan base and stuff too, like they've, they've played top 10 that much is certain. They played a pretty strong schedule, but I mean, they've sold out every game like that. <laughs> that's going to be something that the NCAA looks like, looks at and goes, Oh, they're comfortably in. We're about to go make a ton of money off of this. Now they're selling 1600, 1600 tickets every game. That's, not insignificant 
So uh, I don't think they can play their way into a super regional host unless they win the ACC, but we'll, we'll talk about well, that. Well, yeah, they'd have to get what they'd have to be eight, a national eight seed. Or and there's no, there's no way three ACC teams would get in the top eight. Like they need the, some Florida state Virginia tech win to, to, you know, clearly show that they're better in some way, but yeah, just so, to review. Yeah. So like just to review your top 16 teams in the nation, which I'm going to use as a proxy for those. So that for those regional seedings, so that's Oklahoma, Alabama, VT, Florida state, UCLA, Arkansas, Northwestern, somehow, uh, Oklahoma state, Duke, Florida, Arizona state, Washington, Kentucky, Texas, Athens, and Tennessee. So that's your top 16. That would not surprise me if, most of that is held true for the seeded teams. Um, it's competitive that there are a lot of good records in there. And also Texas has one tie that I don't understand why they have it, but you do you Texas. I'm, I'm just wondering why you say somehow to Northwestern softball. I, uh, I I'm not a big Northwestern guy in general, but knowing uh, a number of people on that team. I, uh, I I'll, I'll stick by their honor on this one. I didn't expect Northwestern to be on this list. I will say they're really good. Northwestern's re- really good. I, I'm uh, I'm a little bit biased, but I, I think they're very quality quality program. Northwestern, Chicago's Big Ten team, as as we've always said. Uh, yes. So Tech heads to Clemson next week. What is your prognosis for how that series is going to go how do you see that what lines you think that breaks down on well uh clemson when they hit they can really hit and that scares me lining up against our pitching and it kind of always has love them they've had a great year uh chandler dennis has really been a revelation and i think a big part of what's turned this team around but uh, i mean tech's gonna have to keep clemson off the board and i don't know how much they can do that necessarily in a uh, how do I put this in a three game kind of scenario? But I think it's definitely possible for a game or two tech could, could win the series, but if you're looking to, you know, keep the, we've only lost four games in the last seven weeks trend alive. I don't think this is the, I think this is the time when that dies and, you know, maybe you learn a thing or two going into the ACC tournament, which I'm not saying tech has uh, a reasonable shot of winning. Cause I think that might be a little bit un, uh, that might be a little bit rosy in terms of a prognosis, but um, you know, they're, they, they, they got a chance to, to at least win a game or two. And, and uh, you know, they're, they're playing some of their best softball in a long time. So I think, I think a win or two against a top 10 team, you can't complain about that at all. And I think that should be the, the, the one win has to be the, the expectation. Okay. So I have both the standings and the bracket open right now on another tab. So if Tech finishes at six, right where they are, they will play in the quarterfinals versus the three, which is Florida State. If they finish, let's say, in the seven, they will be in the round one game versus the 10, which is five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, which is UNC. Assuming they beat UNC, they'd feed into the two seed. They play the two seed, which is Duke. So <laughs> scary. You can't even really tank your way out of uh, 
out of avoiding death here. I mean, your top, top, like, four, t- obviously Notre Dame's at the top of the list there, but in terms of the RPI and, you know, the numbers, you're going to run into a top four ACC team in the form of Clemson if you – if, if they stay at the seven, six, five seed. So going to be, going to be real scary. There's, there's no easy outs, right? You got four bona fide top 10 teams in the league this year. And I'm not complaining about that. You know, maybe we don't win a crown, but I, I think, you know, part of that talent elevation that we saw in volleyball is the same thing that's happening here in softball. And I think it's good for, you know, it's good for the conference. It's good for the teams getting more people in the tournament. It's good, uh, you know, for, getting eyes on the ACC network and getting more of those games on big ESPN than ESPN two. Like that's, I don't know. It's scary, but I think it's a positive. I am irrationally excited about the prospect of this team. Now that it's sort of settled in and really going, I'm excited about the prospect of this team facing off against Duke or or Florida state again on paper. Cause I think that's a good Playing those teams again and seeing where they where they stand compared to earlier in the season it feels like a good benchmark, right? A good benchmark comparison for growth and where, and where this program is going move, as they move into the postseason for the first time uh, in a decade, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, that's that's exciting. I I don't think you can like they they've hit the expectation, right? How how often can we say that? They're they're on track to, you know, turn that corner that we've been talking about for so long. And that was kind of what we said is not even really the stretch goal, but it needed to show progress this year. And I think they've honestly exceeded that in just about every measure. And I I think something else to note, especially since today was senior day, is they're losing not that many people like one rotational starter in Kennedy Cowden. Uh, one everyday starter in Bailey Zeitler at second base. But beyond that, not like not a ton of um, not a ton of people that are getting a lot of minutes. Right. So I, I think they're in good shape to take this performance and build off of it next year. And I mean, it, we're, we're talking about the season if it's already over, but there's still there's still three games left in the regular season. There are still X number of games, at least one game left in the uh, in the ACC tournament, and then there's at least one game in the NCAA tournament, at least two in the NCAA tournament. So um, mm-hmm. we'll see where it goes from there. On the flip side of our expectation to make a NCAA regional, there is the Georgia Tech baseball team. They went two and two on the week. They beat Mercer uh, and fell one to two to Duke in games that resembled pitching machines versus home run derby corked bats. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how the end of today's game went too, right? It was, it was uh, the ball was flying around the yard. And honestly, I feel like that's what it's done the last couple of weeks, but you know, it's, when you put yourself in a shootout, it definitely makes for some interesting ball games. I didn't know that baseball could be the shootout pro. Like this is the like they've never they've not played a normal game this season. Every game for like the past month and a half has been an absurdly scored game. That's uh, that's very true. Uh, we called them the cardiac jackets, but it's it's so weird that like it's kind of an expectation at this point, right? We're gonna be, you know, they're uh, they're the lineup so good that a five run deficit doesn't 
not that it doesn't mean anything, but like it's not insurmountable. I mean, they were down seven zero at one point today. Yeah. Uh Now, never mind that they eventually lost the game 15-14 in the last inning and they hit a home run to bring it within one run with one out remaining in the game. But it's just like the lineup is so ridiculously powerful and consistently keeps them in games that even just a modicum of competent pitching, competent and consistent pitching performances means that they are a really, really good team. And they just have not been able to get that off of the mound. And it, and we've seen it in multiple weeks. Like this is – someone in our, in our writers room mentioned this. This is the sixth consecutive conference game that Tech has allowed eight or more runs. That is absurd. Like a college baseball is weird and no one can really play defense well. I get that. But like six consecutive conference games of eight or more runs allowed – is a, is a little bit much. Yeah, I I think there needs to be some like obviously the season's not over yet, but this has been enough of a theme that that there's a lot of runs on the board and not always in the fun Georgia Tech is scoring a lot of runs kind of way and I try and be political about that, you know. I think we asked a lot of questions last time um about what the process looks like here um and why this is happening. I don't think there's more need to interrogate that more than we have, but it's something that we need to keep talking about, especially as we go towards the end of the season, we go towards the off season we start picking apart um, and evaluating what this, what this season looks like and, and what it means moving forward. Um, but there is, there are still a bunch of games left, right? I mean, we're in the, at the tail end of April and there's still two or three series left until the ACC tournament. So if you're going to keep winning shootouts or at least being in shootouts until the very end, I mean, why not go all out? You're you're 10th in RPI, like they're short of a massive, uh, a massive, massive uh, failure here in the late stages of the season. You're probably in the tournament. Yeah. I mean, they're they're there that they, they have the body of work and that i think the thing that makes us tougher is they played by far a harder schedule than 99.9 percent of teams in college baseball which and, is not something that we thought at the beginning of the season no, by the way no like you look i mean i would still like to have seen auburn stay on the schedule that's just me we can unbox that later but all of their midweek opponents being different yeah that's but all of their midweek opponents are now uh, are like top 25 in RPI for the most part. All like all of their in-state opponents have been top 25 in RPI. Um, a bunch of the ACC has just sort of beaten it, beaten up each other to, mm-hmm. for more RPI bonuses. So like it's not an unearned RPI number 10, but it's just a very weirdly constructed RPI number 10. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's the definition of boom or bust, and sometimes it's even boom and bust at the same time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, my only note from this week is that Zach Maxwell keeps finding himself in jams and then tripsing and escaping them. It's very strange, and it's like a very volatile dichotomy that I keep witnessing with him. Yeah. 
I mean, it's it's wild how blazingly effective he can be at times, and then just like I, I I don't know, like he he has these bottled up moments of being extremely tremendous, and then it's just not quite as consistent as I think you know we thought it. He had the potential to get to, and I think he still has that potential to get there. I I don't even think that's a Zach Maxwell thing. It it honestly makes me ask more questions of of the the staff and and things like that but you know that might be more of an off-season post yeah and i think it's again it's something to interrogate as we move forward towards the off-season and and keep in mind uh but while the season is still going uh they will play troy on tuesday and then i hate to inform you who is coming to town on or on friday tell me it's Miami. Let's look at where Miami is currently ranked. Because if I remember correctly, it was. Come on. I should have prepared for this. Miami is currently ranked number five after previously being ranked number two in D1 baseball's Mm -hmm. poll. Sounds, Sounds scary. Sounds very scary. Just for a, a comparison uh, Virginia Tech is number eight. Virginia is number 11. Louisville is 16. Notre Dame is 18. Uh, so it's a competitive conference. It is a very competitive conference, even if they're all beating up on themselves in the context of conference play. Yeah. I mean, that I, that's pretty similar to the, uh, to what we've been saying in the past, I think too, right? It's, the comp, not just the past in general, the, the the past on this very podcast, like that's it's been the ACC kind of eating itself alive. Yeah, it's it's bizarre that it keeps doing this, but it also helps ACC teams. It benefits ACC teams as you evaluate them via RPI or, or net or what have you, right? So, um, it's it's something to keep an eye on for sure. Hmm. Uh, Speaking of teams battling it out in ACC play, Georgia Tech Golf has been battling it out at the ACC tournament at the Shark Tooth Golf Club in Panama City Beach. They advanced to the semifinals versus FSU by placing second in stroke play uh, with uh, right behind North Carolina, who posted an absurd like under was it 21 under on the first day. It was really strange. However, yeah. go for it. I was going to say they were really good, but they peaked too soon. Oh, they peaked so soon. They advanced to the semifinals versus Wake. Wake actually ended up beating them. So your ACC tournament final set for tomorrow in match play is Georgia Tech versus Wake. Give me a breakdown of how this weekend looked for Tech and what we can expect before we talk about what we can expect tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, Tech, uh, there was, you know, obviously an early hole that they were in and uh, something that we've said a a lot this year is you can't really count them out. They're a team that's gotten better over the past year, uh, for sure. And and definitely over this past spring, they rallied really hard to pull into second uh, to come into match play. And, uh, you know, they dispatched FSU pretty Pretty solidly, three-one uh, with one hole in a playoff that did not. It was close. Finished. Um, yeah, obviously it, it could have gone four-one or it could have gone three-two, but they uh, 
they're a team that knows how to take care of business. Uh, they have a very consistent staff uh, for a team that has essentially completely turned over since, you know, the last time they made a really big run. The fact that they're back in the mix is really great. And I think one thing, uh, if we dig up what we talked about last year uh, around this time of year, around ACC championship season, was, you know, it's disappointing they didn't make match play despite it being, you know, local in, in Atlanta and all that good stuff. But at the same time, what did we say? Hey, this team's young. We'll see them here next year. And they went and did exactly that. So uh, they're in the position to play for, for a conference title tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting i keep i've said this a bunch and called things interesting today but the way that all one i'm out of adjectives my brain doesn't work it doesn't really work on sundays but two this just sets up so well when you consider some of the narratives that are at play right tech coming off of a couple uncharacteristic years but now back at the top of the conference and battling against Wake Forest, who they are tied with in terms of ACC titles in, in men's golf. And, and Wake, who is also, if I remember correctly, took home the women's golf title a couple weeks ago. Yep. So there's a bunch of these different things coming around here. And I'm trying to pull up the pairings because those were out. So uh, you'll see match play start at, I think that's 10 a.m. Eastern, all at the Shark's Tooth Golf Course like I said, in Panama City Beach, uh, Crystal Lamprecht will be facing off against Wake Forest's power. That's the first pairing at 9.02 Central. Connor Howe uh, is at 9.14. Uh, Ross Steelman at 9.26. Bartley Forrester at 9.38. And then Benjamin Ruder at 9.50, all-time Central. So interesting matchups here i don't know that much about wake forest golf so i'm hoping you do so you can give me a sense of the matchups and how how what we expect to see tomorrow yeah. i don't know a ton about them outside of like the pure rankings but one thing i do know about them is their uh their pedigree uh, wake forest was the uh by and large superpower of, of uh the acc before tech showed up and then tech honestly before tech got good um, you know, they have 17 titles to their name, I believe, uh, and they're currently 15th in the golf stat, um, Georgia Tech being being 11th, uh, North Carolina being the seventh team there. And just for completeness's sake, FSU is uh, 24. So so all those were, were four very good, very solid teams. Um, you know, tomorrow's going to be a step up. Uh, Wake Forest is a program with a lot of pedigree. They've had a lot of great golfers go through there. Again, I don't know a ton about this current lineup. That's the nature of, of I guess, college golf is not seeing folks play until you really need to need to know and, and not knowing how people play on and fair on different days. But uh, if there was a tailor-made matchup uh, for storylines in terms of, you know, uh, old ACC powers coming together, clashing after – you know, coming and having to rebuild a little bit, that uh, that would be this one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm trying to pull up the this weekend scorecard so I can get at least, so I can have a little more information about how this played. Do, do I need the... Okay, those scores don't make sense to me. So let's talk about how both of these teams performed in the in stroke play. So Tech finished at 
a 26 under par. Wake Forest was at 17 under par. Um, pretty good weekends overall. Let me check the player leaderboard. Uh, Tech was I mean, like pretty under par the entire time, but they had a, a tied for third finisher in Crystal Lamprecht. Uh, and then Ross Thielman was at six and then Bartley Forrester and Benjamin Reuter at 22 and then Connor Howe at 37 for Wake Forest. They also had one guy tied for third. That's Michael Brennan. Um, they had a guy tied for 19th, Alex Fitzpatrick, Mark Power at 22, Scotty Kennan tied for 28 and then Parker Gilliam at 49. So obviously those are earlier in the week. Um I don't know how much you can glean from a single match, single weekend sample in terms of how that projects moving forward. But Tech had the advantage in in their set um, or, or in their first three rounds this weekend, and and I, I guess we're looking to forward to them keeping that advantage heading into Monday. Yep, I uh, I would uh, I would think that lines up pretty well with my assessment. Okay, moving on to the track and the Georgia Tech invite, the last home meet for a bunch of track seniors, including Nicole Feagans. Give me an update on what this looked like from Griffin Field. Yeah, um, well, they had a nice little crowd over there when I was walking by yesterday um, going to baseball. Uh, Lots of teams in the mix. Uh, That's always, I think, the, the fun aspect of the second uh, the second track meet, the first one comes a little bit earlier uh, in the season every year. But, uh, you know, in, in terms of, you know, just the, the sheer number of teams, there's there quite a few yesterday um, based on, you know, the, the buses and the teams and, you know, the, the athletes seeing running around and the, the event or two I was able to, to watch a little bit of. Um, it's always interesting, I think, with, with some of these, um, with some of these meets, seeing just the variety and, and uh, spread of, of uh, the, the athletes and their affiliations that are here. Because if you look at the top 10, and this is just me picking out um, the, the first event on the sheet, uh, the, the women's 100 meter, the top 10 athletes come from West Alabama is your event winner, Georgia, eh, VCU, Life University, Georgia Tech, and then Atlanta Track Club unattached Alabama Huntsville uh, and then Lee university. And, you know, that's just me looking at, you know, the first 10 of the 50, uh, 50 different people who are involved. So lots of uh, lots of schools, obviously, but it's really interesting to see just how uh, diverse of a, of a cut that you get from, you know, just not only the athletes overall that are participating, but, you know, you, you have three or four SE, SEC schools, a couple ACC schools, basically, uh, you know, most of the big one, most of the big mid-majors uh, from from Georgia and uh, South Carolina and, and Alabama. So definitely, definitely interesting. And I think that's always my big takeaway when I when I see this, uh, when I see track meets come to town. Absolutely. But let's talk about Nicole Feagans a little bit and her finishes. She had, she sort of, uh, just sort of, finished really well at her final meet on campus, didn't she? Yeah, um, she did get a win in her final event on campus. I believe that came Friday night because, yeah, she set the uh, 1,500-meter uh, school record. That was a 416.34. Um, obviously, that was the headline uh, of the day. Um, 
it, again, it's really interesting seeing seeing you know college kids. We need a better adjective. We need a better stuff. adjective to use. What for sure. interesting than interesting? Yeah, I mean exciting. Let's go with exciting for the rest of the episode. I mean, again, it's it's just odd how track works. Like they, they were running against literal professionals for, from Atlanta track and and all that. So definitely, um, definitely different than a lot of other sports we see. Um, that uh, sorry, that was winning the five five thousand and setting the program record and facility record um, in the fifteen hundred meter. Sorry, so not to get that all jumbled up. Facility record and win uh, five hundred meters. Program record fifteen hundred meters. We prepared uh, for this. <laughs> I it it's that again. I think it's pretty clear uh, after three years of us doing this podcast, that track is probably our least familiar sport at this point. Um, as silly as that is to admit, but if anybody wants to come on and school us, uh, well, we're always, we're always willing, but um, yeah. Uh, Olivia Moore was tech's best pole vaulter. Um, I think we had another top three on Friday. That would be uh, yes. Taylor Grimes in the hundred meter hurdles. Uh, and then there was some Saturday uh, top finishes as well. That was a long, beautiful day uh, on Saturday. Uh, Tech once again shown on the field. Uh, I feel like that's been a theme of the year talking about, you know, more and Papa Costa and, uh, you know, just uh, all the, the different field athletes. And I think that's something we kind of brushed to the side for, for some of the more consistent, like uh, record, record, record that, that Nicole Fegans turns out, but definitely great to see John Watkins uh, winning the triple jump uh, for the men's and Shanti Papagasta uh, winning the women's high jump. Absolutely. I just searched Georgia tech and this results PDF and men, there are a lot of tech results uh, across the board. Like there's a bunch of top 30 finishers in the men's 800. There's a bunch of top 30 finisher, top 40 finishers. I think I was looking at the, yeah, the women's 5,000, and then the there's a bunch of the 1500, uh, a bunch in the 800. So I, I think one of the things that we've talked about with regards to both, we, we talked about this with regards to the track team, but we've also mainly hit this point with when we're talking about the swim team is that they need to develop depth. And this is a sign of that depth, right? Even though maybe the competition is a little oddly structured uh, or interestingly structured, um, they still did pretty well. Like a bunch of these are, are personal bests or, uh, or they, like their top 15, top 20, top 30 finishes amongst a massive field. Right. So, well, Oh, and, and that's something that's interesting too, is the, the God, size please of use the something other than interesting. <laughs> that's something that's compelling is the size there of the competition. Go. And one thing I really do love about tech hosting uh, versus others is it's super easy to pull out um, what's a facility record, personal best, season best, tie of a personal best, et cetera. Uh, just from looking at the records, they do a great job of, of indicating some of those things that, you know, without those popping up, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what, you know, the, the 84th finisher in uh, the, uh, you know, 500 meter men's race personal best is it's, it's great. I, I, these are it explains are, how it's meaningful. Yeah. It's easier to parse through than a lot of swimming cross country track results tend to be, because if you don't know what you're looking for in some of that stuff, it's like, what, what, what does this even mean? You know, but yeah. 
Just to wrap up the events on the track, they will be at Penn Relays and the Torrance Torin Lawrence invite. Say that five times fast. That is a split squad week. Uh, Penn Relays, I think you were saying, is one of the most historic venues, historic track meets of all time. Um, so we will see how they perform with those. Another historic venue, historic meet for uh, a Georgia Tech this week was the ACC tournament in tennis for both the men's and the women's. Both of those were held in Rome, Georgia, women's tennis. Let's start with them. They started their tournament in the second round versus, versus Boston College. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. So um, talking through talking through the weekend results, I think it's uh, pretty easy to skip right past the opening round uh, or the second round in the case of ACC tennis. Uh, it's confusing, we know. Uh, but uh, they did sweep Boston College 4-0. Uh, that was very solid all around. Obviously won the doubles point uh, and then three singles to, uh, to honestly relatively quick compared, compared to the match that followed against Miami. Yeah, uh, and they walked right into that Miami match in the quarterfinals and took it to the absolute distance, didn't they? Yeah, so kind of uh, paralleling their previous season uh, result uh, back in February against Miami, uh, number 15 at the time, Miami, and still a very solid team overall, Miami. Uh, Georgia Tech did fall 4-3, to three. Uh, in the quarterfinals, um, the, you know, <laughs> you could say a lot of things about it, but I think it's best summed up with uh, they were tied three to three uh, with the last point on the line. And the last point uh, went Miami's favor uh, after Miami fell five, seven in the opening set uh, by seven, six, seven, six in five, uh, sorry, in, in three sets, but, but five tie break. Um, decisions which is just about the longest and uh most excruciatingly painful way to lose a tennis match that you could possibly invent so yeah uh, definitely a lot of fight in the hurricanes uh, a lot of fight in the jackets though so there's uh there's not a lot of shame in it but it does it is disappointing for them for sure i would imagine that's a rough it's an extremely rough way to go out i i I don't think you could invent a worse way to go out in the lab whatsoever. Yeah. Like it, it just some really good fight from the 32nd ranked team in the nation just couldn't close on that last couple of points. Cause it was tied even late into that third set. It was tied. It was close. So it's just, it, it's, it's just unfortunate. I think. Yep. Um, Moving forward, they have the NCAA tournament draw coming up next. Do you have a date on that? Because I do not. Uh, I can pull it up. I know they definitely have not announced that tournament draw yet. Um, in terms of um, in terms of how it works, is they'll play the first uh, and second rounds at uh, campus sites. So to be determined what those will be. And then the super regionals at campus sites again. Um, that'll be again feeding into uh, the NCAA quarterfinals, semis, and finals uh, if we make it there, uh, which will be in beautiful, breezy uh, Urbana-Champaign, Illinois. Um, you know, my uh, my corn people brethren love them. Uh, have never seen a tennis match there. 
honesty time. So I don't know if their facilities are any good, but they must be if they're hosting NC2As. Absolutely. So is that the same venue for the men and the women, or did the men get a different venue this year? That's a great question. Uh, It's kind of like swimming where sometimes they're together and sometimes they're not. So if I verbally stall for another five seconds, I'll have the real answer. Uh, And interestingly, um, the, the details on the tech men's tennis schedule page are much less uh, loquacious than those on the women's. So I'm going to have to go to Google one second. Well, while you're searching for that, let me, let me actually, you know, use the segue that I teed myself up for the men, the Georgia tech men's tennis. I'm not sure that they played their way into the tournament, but they got close. They really got close. They won their playing game versus Miami 4-1. They made it to the ACC quarterfinal versus Wake, who they dispatched 4-2. That's number seven in the nation, Wake Forest. That is the Tech's largest ranked win ever. Uh, but then they fell in the semifinal 4-1 to UNC. So, I mean, they made a run for it, right? They played some really good tennis this weekend uh, and earlier this week, and they almost got there, but uh, they're right on the fringe uh, with their 61 ranking. And it's very unclear to me as to whether this will bounce them into the picture. um, If they're on the bubble, and I'm not even sure they're on the bubble, given how the last couple of weeks of the season shook out for them. Yeah. I, uh, I will say that they do have to be above 500 and they're not. So uh, even though the men's uh, division one championships are also in Champaign, I looked that up in the meantime. uh, I think we're, we're best left waiting for the singles and the doubles draws uh, rather than the team draw. Yeah. So that is what is up for both the men's and women's tennis teams. Those draws will be, I think in the next couple of weeks, I don't know if you've actually found the date on that, which is what I asked you to find, but that's whatever. It's fine. I'm not mad. I'm still stalling so you can find the date for the draw. Oh, I mean, it starts the week of the 6th and then 13th, I believe, is Super Regionals with the finals being the 19th through the 28th in Champaign. Fantastic. Thank you for accepting my stall. Just to round out something we were talking about earlier in the show, the SCLC final for men's lacrosse, they fell 17 to 15 uh, in regulation to South Carolina. So rough go uh, on the lacrosse field in Jacksonville, but they will be back for most likely back for the MCLA tournament in Austin in a couple of weeks. Anything else to discuss before we head out of here? Uh, Did we talk about, um, I mean, I do want to reiterate that the men's tennis win over Wake was uh, number seven Wake and their highest ranked win in history. Historic win. Just to to make sure, not to make it a downer of they're probably not, you know, dancing, but it was a historic win and that's good. Um, in terms of other things, I don't have a ton. Uh, it's honestly quieting down in the sports world. But uh, if you're in need of a scoreboard watch for your Monday morning, uh, as this comes out, uh, 10 a.m., uh, golf will be in action. Uh, and they're, uh, they're in the ACC tournament. Uh, so, you know, could win. So go watch that. That's what I got. 
the only other thing, and I this is ma- mainly presented as a stinger. We don't have to talk about this that long. The only other thing is that there was an interview done by The Technique with President Angel Cabrera, uh, mainly <laughs> concerning sports. And you know where I'm going with this. Yep. Um, where both he and our counterpart at The Technique, Jack Purdy, um, discuss their mutual desire to see a women's soccer program on Tech's campus. Now, you and I before, I think we've discussed on this program uh, how sort of how that would look like, where that would go. But if I gave you, let's see, I gave you a bunch of money and said, pick where you want this stadium, this soccer-specific stadium that's maybe like 1,500 seats to go on campus, in the campus footprint, where would you put it? I think it's a pretty uh, necessary decision to say you got to bulldoze the parking lot next to Woody's for something, whether that's more freshman housing or what. Uh, and, And I think as far as the way as far away as that is from everything else on campus that's sports related, you can't chop down all those trees behind the president's house. You can't wedge it into the track infield. And that's honestly probably unfair to track because I'm sure that they're doing field events and, you know, shot putting and things oh, like I've that seen, I've seen there. a track and field stadium turfed over for soccer. It sucks. Yeah. That's, that's what the U S national team played it played on in Costa Rica the other week or the other month. It sucks. I, and I don't think Bobby Dodd would be a bad place to be for them. I just think that there's a lot of egos involved in football that would prevent that from happening uh, as much as, you know, turfing that over was going to be, oh, we'll bring back the intramural championships. Oh, this will let us add other sports. Oh, we'll have more concerts. Oh, Atlanta United may play a fixture here year. How much of that is real and how much of that is just conjecture from conjecture? Uh, you can you can decide on that. But um uh, I think that in terms of where it would make sense, I'd love to see them play in Bobby Dodd. Uh, I think you have your best revenue generating ability if you have more seats to sell and, and skyboxes and all that. Uh, but I, again, just with, with football being a fall sport and not knowing where they would practice, heck, you know, football's got Rose Bowl field and the track infield and, and the indoor that they use. Maybe this was your mid, bleh, maybe this is where you just say, you know, let them practice in Bobby Dodd too, but I just don't think that'll happen uh, as I, much as yeah. I would like it to. I and mean, the, even, your other option is, is, you know, you know, knocking down some of those weird low rise buildings over on the Marietta street corridor that are half parking lots anyways. Yeah. I mean, you could knock out, I don't know, like you could, re- you could move facilities around right next to the EBB. Um, the, mm-hmm. the engineered biosystems building, the crone building, whatever you want to call it. You can do that. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's it's hard. Cool. This is a, this is a hard problem to solve within the confines of this very small urban campus. Yeah. I, this is something I'd want to play around in, in Google earth on, because obviously there's a consideration for, you know, keeping, keeping things compact on, on the East side, but then again, Hey, maybe putting, women's soccer on the Woody's lot or, you know, tearing out the North side drive flyover ramp, which should happen, even though GDOT will never let it happen. That's for a different podcast. Um, I have a lot of GDOT complaining to do, and it's not, it is not podcast appropriate. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the phrase I would like to use is car sewer, but I think we're now rambling way on. I think honestly uh, we, we said um, 
there was an ep- there's a summer episode idea that we had last time uh, that I cannot remember what it was. Shame on me. I'll have to go back to the tape. But um, I think the uh, what would we do with women's soccer would be another great uh, summer episode to take a look at. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep that in the backlog. We will we'll evaluate that one. We'll put it in the backlog. We'll story point it uh, and we'll write some acceptance criteria. And, and you know, we'll, we'll talk about it at stand up. And I'll break out. Uh, I'll break out the Google Earth. You know, it'll it'll complement my great Microsoft Excel analysis that I'm doing on softball as we speak. Christ, Christ. Uh, anything else before we head out for the day? If you are uh, interested in giving us feedback, questions, comments, concerns, uh, if you know somebody that would be a great subject matter expert to school us on track, uh, any of those things uh, and all things uh, from the rumble seat at gmail.com at FTRS blog on Twitter, the comments uh, of the from the rumble seat.com section um, in terms of things to plug. Um, we're honestly getting uh, closer to a hundred days to football than then I think any of us uh, anticipated that sneaking up on us so fast. So eventually keeping a lookout for that. Um, got some good stuff coming down the pipe, uh, whether it's analytics uh, for football or more podcasting on this uh, from the rumble seat is your source for all of it. Let us know what you'd want to see. Uh, we get some of our best ideas and suggestions from all of you. So uh, keep it coming. Um, I do want to reiterate that, unfortunately, men's lacrosse did not win the SELC, but uh, their their twitting, twittering seems to imply that they'll be in Austin in two weeks. So go in the big one, boys. Absolutely. All right. We will see you next week. Bye for now. Oh.